You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Welcome to the Ducks Unlimited podcast, the only podcast about all things waterfowl. From hunting insights to science-based discussions about ducks, geese, and issues affecting waterfowl and wetlands conservation in North America, we bring the resource to you. The DU Podcast with your host, Chris Jennings. Joining us on today's show is Will Kutcher, a content producer from Filson, a great partner of Ducks Unlimited. But Will, welcome to the DU Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, man, you know, when we got this recommendation to bring you on the show, um, the great people at Filson were like, hey, you should have Will on. He's just cool. He's got some great stories. And uh, and I'm like, what? he's just cool. You know, there's all kinds of cool people. But then I started <laughs> looking at some of the things that you do, some of the things that you do for Filson, some of the things that you've done, you know, maybe prior to that. And I was like, yeah, this is going to be a cool conversation. So before we kind of roll into this, can you just explain what your role is with Filson um, as a content producer and really kind of how you got to that point. So yeah, basically we are um, brand storytellers. We have an amazing job in the sense that we are not necessarily as focused as on like the selling the gear, but more of the stories behind and the con- putting the gear into context, you know? So with like the men and women that have these amazing passions and, and, uh, and lifestyles and, and careers and, and just kind of showing the, uh, the worlds in which the gear exists and thrives and really, you know, stands up to the job. It's pretty, it's pretty cool because, you know, we're not necessarily trying to check off the list as far as, you know, oh, we got to get this shot or get this shot, but it's more of kind of along for the ride. And we, uh, we get you know, oftentimes embedded in different worlds and, and we stories will evolve and, you know, take all sorts of shapes and sizes. And yeah, it's pretty special because you never really know what things can evolve into or, or the, uh, the kind of, um, story that it's going to turn into. Yeah, that that's awesome. And, and kind of just to explain, you know, Filson Journal. I mean, we've, we've kind of talked about that offline, some of these cool profiles and stories that you guys are putting together. But explain to our audience, you know, if they go to that Filson Journal online, like what should they expect to see? Yeah, it's insane. We put together a pretty um, sizable amount of amazing stories. We got profiles, we have how to's, we've got um, foods and like recipes, we've got field notes, all sorts of different categories. But like, you know, things just blend over from like left to right. Um, we have, you know, focuses on, you know, very much like our signature material. And, and the different gear that, or, you know, kind of dive deep into the gear side of things, but also just, you know, when we are in these different spaces and we are in these different places, we'll oftentimes kind of branch out. And these can stem from a conversation of, you know, let's say we're shooting a campaign and there's a, you know, someone sitting by the fire and he's, you know, prepping, you know, some, you know, moose in a certain way. And we're like, okay, let's, let's get the recipe for this. Cause this is insane. And we'll try to put that on the, on the, on the journal, but like, you know, we've got profiles, like I said, how to's the amount of different things we find and, and people showing us, you know, different techniques and different ways to do different things. We're like, well, we got to put that in the how-tos, you know, we got to, yeah, it goes on and on, but it's a, a pretty cool resource, um, but you can get lost in it. It's amazing. It just doesn't end. We've got about uh, coming up on 800 different stories on it, which is pretty insane. Um, but oftentimes it kind of like stays with various campaigns and different kind of thematic approaches and, and shifts of you know seasonality and and kind of where where we are are with the um, kind of the selling campaign but it's also you know it goes all over the place it's it's insane and a lot of fun yeah man that sounds exciting and i think 
You know, what's interesting for me is, is you talk to people or I guess it's online, Instagram, you know, everyone considers themselves a content producer now, but they're they're laughing at that. I I laugh at it all the time too. Uh, but you know, in reality, you know, really that they are, but there's just a few different ways to make your content so much better than everyone else's and create that, you know, that storytelling opportunity. Um, what are some of the things that you guys do with, with the journal and and with the profiles and the, you know, what is it that kind of you feel like sets your guys's content, you know, apart from everyone else's? Yeah, no, that's a, it's a great question. And, you know, even myself, like, you know, being a content producer, I'm like, you know, what, what, what is it, is there anything different from the the rest of the people out there that are doing the same thing? And we're all storytellers, you know, and we're all, um, but we're lucky enough to, uh, I mean, for me, at least, like, I'm, I feel very lucky to, you know, have so many different hobbies and passions and, and worlds that I'm kind of a bit of a master of none, um, all these different things, but I'm oftentimes like, I know just enough to potentially get me into the, like a door into a different world. And, and it's really fun. It's you're, you're being real and you're being being, you're getting out there and you're showcasing real activities, real people, people that not necessarily, don't haven't necessarily been showcased before. People that are off in the field doing their own thing, living their own world, um, in their own life, and they're not necessarily they don't find you. They're not searching for you know fame and glory or anything like that. But you are showcasing these people that have these passions and these skills and these these you know the, whether it be a trade or whatnot. You're just you're in it, and it's very you know we are embedded and we are oftentimes and I'm, it's not just necessarily us doing this um, as well. It's like we work with so many different, you know, other content producers and creators and people that, you know, we have this vast network of people that are bringing us stories and, and, uh, and basically, you know, saying, Hey, do you guys want this? And that's how I started. I started by, you know, just being constantly, you know, I was working in marketing and shooting on the side, just kind of for passion. And it was primarily, I mean, you know, it wasn't my photography skills by any means, or it was primarily the the worlds that I was getting involved in was what kind of set me up with my career as a, as a content producer um, in the sense where I was just, you know, a weekend warrior kind of thing, or, you know, whenever I wasn't at the office, I would try to be, you know, throwing myself into kind of idiotically, you're like, oh, I, I want to do that. You know, like, you know, a friend of mine's going about to go sailing down the coast from, you know, Seattle to San Francisco on a, on a, you know, 80 foot tall ship, you know, schooner from the 1930s. I'm like, yeah, me too. Let's do it. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to take, take, and, and just do that and and kind of coming to Filson with like, you know, the some people I work with now, but coming to them and being like, hey, do you guys want the story? And it was pretty cool, you know, having a brand that's like, yes, we want the story. We want it as real as possible. So just go and, you know, I, I was photo- like photographing, but I'm also part of the crew. I've got watch, you know, I'm on the bowsprit, you know, wrestling, you know, uh, wrestling sails in, in the moonlight, you know, off off the North California coast. And, and you're still trying to get the shots and you can. But it's uh, it's pretty special being a part of a, an organization now that you know they just drop the gear off and you put the gear on the people when it makes sense and there's no styling happening. It's kind of like you know, and oftentimes we'll get slapped in the hand if we come back and oh, this jacket's not available yet, that kind of thing. But um, it's it's definitely one of those things where the crew or the cast or whoever you're the talent, we say, it's like pick your gear, pick what you want to wear, make uh, you know, even go through our catalogs and and, uh, and our and our um, items. And figure out what makes sense for your world. And we'll just capture it and we'll work around that. 
Um, so it's pretty special being a part of that kind of authenticity. Being authentic is, is probably number one priority. And, and you touched on it briefly and I'll just go back. It's funny, um, kind of looking at the profiles that, that you guys have done, you know, and then in comparison to how the perception of people online and things like that, like you mentioned, like these are not people who are looking to become like a star. These are just people who are out doing cool stuff. And, you know, I would imagine most of these people like probably don't even have an Instagram account or don't, you know, they're not out there yeah. like trying to be Insta famous or anything. They're, they're literally just out there doing such cool things that someone yeah. wants to document what they do. It's pretty special. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just pretty, it's pretty special when you, you can see, you know, help them tell their story. You know, you're, you're just, you know, you're along, you know, for the ride and you're documenting as much as possible, but you, you know, it's pretty wild. And you have these people that are kind of like, they don't think anything about what they're doing is notable or exciting or, or, you know, unique in any way. And then you kind of show them the imagery and the story that comes from them. And they're like, wow. I mean, I look pretty cool. And you're like, yeah, it's fun, right? You know, it's like, this is, this is what you do. It's, you know, kind of glorifying it in a sense. Like this is what you do is, is uh, pretty badass. You know, while we're on that, on that point, just pick out one, you know, like what was one really awesome trip that you went on other than the sailing down the California coast, which sounds pretty awesome. What was one story that really, st you know, really stands out to you as you were just like, wow, that was some of the coolest things I've ever done. There was one, and oftentimes these kind of stories will come from just, you know, a, a drink, you're having a drink at a bar and you're just chatting with people and, or, you know, a friend of a friend. And I got invited on a, uh, to document a, um, subsistence hunt up, um, uh, north of the Brooks range. It's outside the gates of the, of, uh, the Arctic national, I think it's preserve or wildlife. Um, and, um, it was just insane because pretty much you, you're taking the Dalton highway, the ice road all the way up there. And it's a, you know, six hour drive from Fairbanks. You're driving up this and it was the winter time um, when the when the caribou are making their migration. And, uh, and you're, you're just, pat, you know, you're trying to stay, stay out of the way of these massive trucks that are going up to Prudhoe Bay to, to uh, supply the operations up there. Um, but the roads actually safer in the winter because they have these trucks that come along and fill up the potholes full of ice you know, they basically have water trucks that just like maintain the roads. They're not as bumpy. So the winter is actually like you're, it's would be as insane just to be up there in that experience, but to be going through the Brooks range. But the thing is you can't um, use motorized vehicles off the Dalton highway for like four miles. So we had to, and you can't use any kind of rifle in that area too, because the, the uh, pipeline goes through there as well. So we had to, um, we had to uh, take skis out and basically use touring skis and we're pulling behind us, um, our sleds full of gear. And you, for, you know, four days we were out there and we're basically following the track of caribou, but we're living out of our sleds and we're, you know, that was a huge wake up call for me too. It's like, as far as the gear in the field and how you are trying to a capture what's going on, but also you're trying to protect your gear and also keep yourself alive because you're, you know, dealing with minus 30 degrees and you're sweating and you're layering down, but the sweat is freezing on you. And you're like, your legs are seizing up. You're like, oh no, I should have gone to the gym a lot more before this because these guys are still going. And I don't want to be the, the factor of, uh, you know, of us like, calling this trip off, but you're, so you have to stay, you're trying to stay in shape. You're trying to, you know, keep drinking water, but you've got to stop and you've got to, you know, use your fuel to heat the water, but you've also got to keep your water on your body underneath jackets, you know? So, I mean, it was amazing. I mean, we, we were unsuccessful, but totally, you know, worth it for that, that pursuit and that, um, that trip. And that was, I got some amazing photography from that being in that stark, dramatic, um, epic landscape. 
uh, it was pretty insane. Yeah, man, that sounds intense. Um, so did, I mean, you kind of knew what you were getting into before you went up there. I mean, like you, you, yeah, you, you got a, yourself a certain amount shape. of like, you know, just, you gotta, <laughs> the more you know, the more you don't know, but it's also like, I'd be, I mean, there's plenty of things where I'm like, well, that was great. And I survived, but I wouldn't do that again. And if I had known what it was going to be like, I don't know if I would be like bold enough to do it. So you got to be a little bit stupid, you know, in the yeah. sense where you got to just like, all right, I'm just going to go for it, not knowing enough. And then we'll figure it out as it happens. But as I've gotten older, I've realized like, okay, there's ways to really mitigate like the, 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 the factors that are the danger factors, but yeah, it's uh, it was insane. Absolutely insane. And we've had, you know, several different professional photographers on and I've done shows with them on anything from shooting images of their dogs, like how to improve that, things like that, that, that some people, amateurs really, you know, have issues with, you know, on occasion lighting, things like that. Um, but you know, from these extreme temperatures, I mean, I'm just sitting here thinking like, what kind of gear are you using to protect your camera gear? Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, to be honest, like, I mean, I'm learning so much from so many different amazing photographers that are in that space all the time. And every time I go up there, I take more and more away from it. But I was amazed that like, you know, I, I normally shoot with a system that isn't really designed for that kind of cold. So I was trying to primarily protect, you know, A, my batteries because they just drain in that kind of cold. But also you don't want to have your, your lenses like, um, you don't want to expose your lenses to like too much because then you get this, they fog up on the inside. So even when you're like going from inside a tent, outside a tent, you want to keep your gear, um, you know, at least your, your Pelican case or whatever you have outside your tent, um, other than your batteries, you pretty much are like wearing a vest full of batteries the entire time when you're up there. Um, but the, as far as your gears, like keep that outside. And we actually had a Fox up in this last campaign where it was taking all the highest priced gear. I don't know. It had, it just had a knack for like, I'm going to get the most expensive gimbal I can find and try to run away with it. This little, little red Fox. It was, it was pretty funny. We're like, how do you know how expensive the gear is? And why are you trying to run away with the most expensive stuff? But yeah, all I can say is, um, you know, keep your, uh, your lenses, um, as cold as the environment you're intending to shoot. Um, and keep your, your, your battery packs, um, on you. Um, but it's also amazing. Like, oh, my camera in those conditions, I know there's been a lot of new cameras have come out that can handle that. You know, I know, um, I got, I've got a few in mind, but I, I also know that like, for me, I always keep an analog as well. I keep like a, um, a 1000, it's an old, um, old Pentex. And I kind of learned to shoot with that. And it's this little like M1 grand of cameras. I mean, this thing doesn't stop. It, it's like, you know, 35 mil and it's just, you can, my camera, my proper camera, my digital camera didn't know if it was on or off. I had to pull the batteries out of it so it would turn itself off because it was just so cold that, you know, the sensors start just freaking out. And with this little, little, uh, oh, this old, like, you know, 1970s camera was just, you know, it's tried and true, just taking pictures of like, you know, left and right. And it was one of those kind of cool experiences where I didn't know what it was going to look like until I got back and then developing and you're, you're amazed to kind of see what the cold will do to the, to the, the film, but also get that beautiful grain. And it's just fun to kind of play with analog a little more and kind of get back to the craft. But to be honest, you know, I'm, I'm still learning so much in the digital space, but also I'm kind of in between all these different worlds. And there are people that really, really know what they're talking about. And I'm like, I like I jokingly say like oh, I just spray and pray you know like I, I take enough pictures and there's going to be something good in there and especially when you're in kind of an epic condi- you know conditions where you know I used to I worked uh, commercially on a, an Alaskan fishing boat for five seasons up in the bay and and that's like one of these like um, these uh, projects that kind of got me in the door with Filson it's like you know you got walls of water coming and you just have a camera in the side of your Grundens and your and your and you just whip it out and you're just 
clack, 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 clack as much as you can and put it away before this wall of water hits. But it's like, don't bring too much gear that you're, that can get, can get destroyed, you know, especially if you're in those situations where it's like, you know, you're going to be in the thick of it. Then you, then, you know, the classic quote is like the best camera is the one you have, you know, it's like, you know, iPhones, we've, we've got some amazing shots from iPhones because of what was happening compared to the quality. Even some of the guys who shoot, you know, even for Ducks Unlimited magazine, um, you know, had that conversation with that photographer about iPhones. He's like, oh, dude, he's like, I love them. He's like, I absolutely love it. He's like, it's fantastic because I'm doing 20 other things here. And he's like, all of a sudden something moves over to this side. And he's like, I can just snap a couple quick photos or shoot a little video to a company. Uh, You know, that's funny. Most of our audience, I, I guarantee, or most people, let's just say most people out there who are shooting as content producers now probably never shot analog and never had to deal with film. Um, I'm of the age where I actually did um, when I was younger. Um, but I was also very excited when it, everything went digital because I, I even it's difficult to do. But even back in those days, I was a spray and pray guy. And that was a lot harder to do with film because yeah. <laughs> now yeah. I can. Now oh I my can, God. Yeah. Now I can take 500 <laughs> photos and I look down and be like, oh, man, I didn't get anything good. And then I can keep shooting yeah. where then it's like, oh, man, that you you can't you can't take that approach. You really have to know yeah. what you're doing. It makes you take a take a breath, take mm-hmm. a pause and really kind of focus on what you're doing. And, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm by no means a master of it, but it's one of the that little, you know, that K1000, it's, I mean, it's a learner camera and that's what I, you know, my dad taught me with that. And we had a dark room in the basement, you know, and he taught me like how to, you know, blindfold us we're rolling film down there, you know, like trying to get it right to develop these black and white shots. But it's, it's a, a lot of fun. And I, the more, you know, like I said, the more, you know, the more you don't know. And it's, it's just been a really fun process to, you know, just be, try to absorb as much you can from fellow, you know, photographers, but also the people in these worlds that are, that are living this lifestyle. And like, this is their, this is their normality, you know, and like kind of returning to those organics, you know, the, like the, with the fibers and, and, uh, you know, I've recently got a, a beaver hat for every time I'm up there and people were like laughing at me because they're like, you look insane, but then you jump on a snowmobile and they're like, I wish I had that. I wish I had that you know, beaver hat. Like, Right it's, it's a learning curve. It's a total learning process. Yeah. No, that's cool. Um, do you find yourself shooting 50-50 videos and photos or are you, you know, what's your ratio there? I've only recently kind of gotten back into video. Um, I, to be honest, like, like I said, learning a lot about that. Um, but a lot of the kind of videos we're shooting are kind of like the B-roll side of things just to kind of like, kind of create a tonal environmental, you know, vibe that, that can go along to kind of showcase and to kind of get a given an emotion of the world we're in. So it's like, you know, we just did one for, um, we were up outside of Cotsview, um, photographing muskox, um, uh, in the hills in the, in the tundra, um, uh, uh, just next to the sea ice out there. And, uh, we were just shooting with our iPhones half the time, you know, and there's some, you know, I've got some drone shots of this or that, that I kind of spliced in, but it's just this one minute kind of just visceral, you know, tonal feel to it with just some music and just to kind of say, by the way, this is the world we're in. But to be honest, I, I'm not, I'm not a videographer. Um, and I, I, I enjoy putting some footage together to kind of make stories, but, um, yeah, it's, it's so, so much learning going on constantly. Yeah. I think everyone is kind of in that, even, you know, some of the professional guys that I work with, you know, they had always been, you know, just stills. And then as everything kind of just media in general kind of morphed over the course of the last 15 years, it's the, a lot of these guys are shooting some pretty awesome video out there now. It's pretty, pretty cool. I mean, that's king. I mean, that's, that's, there's a huge demand for that. There mm-hmm. is. And I, I know we're definitely dealing with that from like, you know, 
we're trying to source as much as we can because you know that's that's what you know is at the end of the day we're creating content for for people to you know to digest and to engage with and you want you want that motion because people respond to that much better you have a, you have a second chance to to stop them in their tracks to say you know engage and oftentimes motion is what does it you and your dog are a team fuel is best in the field and in life with purina pro plan sport Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Several of these stories that you've referenced have all been, you know, you're going north. You know, you're going up to the Arctic in Alaska, um, is that like a, a preference for you or do you spend a lot of time in the South <laughs> yeah. or, you know, you know what I mean? Or is, or is that a kind of a Filson direction? I mean, it's hard to show off a heavy 10 yeah. cloth jacket in, you know, South Mississippi um, because yeah, it's no, pretty much hot. It's, 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 it's funny. It's funny. Cause like, you know, oftentimes these are the worlds I, I just have more connection up there with like, you know, the more time I spend up there, but it's also incredibly addicting. Mm-hmm. Um, just the Arctic and those, those just exposed um, beautiful, dramatic landscapes of and just the, the men and women and the animals that can exist in that space and and to also to see it you know and to see people adapting and people you know changing with the times and and uh so it's very you know it's definitely it started with you know my throughout college you know going up there to commercial fish to make money um and then it and it kind of blossomed into you know all these different stories and these different connections and the more the more you see in alaska you more you realize it's out there and there's just these insane landscapes that are, you know, whether it be any of the the ranges up there or the tundra, the sea, being on the sea ice is one of the coolest things I've ever been, uh, as far as I've ever experienced. It's just, it's insane because you're, you're standing on salt, you know, this, of course is freshwater, but you're standing on the sea, mm-hmm. you know, and those moments where you're just like, I'm on the moon and you're also kind of living your Hoth dreams, you know, yeah. as far as being a Star Wars fan myself, <laughs> it's like, you're like, ah, oh, I'm, I'm in it, man. Where's yeah. my Tauntaun? Yeah, this is it. Your Tauntaun <laughs> will freeze up there. Yeah. Um, now the, uh, the, that's really cool. And you know, it kind of just a crossover and, and, and maybe this is just kind of dropping a little recommendation for you. You know, we do have uh, a lot of our scientists and some of our partners and, and they do a lot of work up there on the tundra for snow geese and, you know, mm-hmm. breeding waterfowl and, and white fronts. And have you ever been up there in spring? I have not. Uh, oh, actually, I've only been up to uh, around Dillingham in, um, in spring. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm familiar with the, the landscape, but yeah, I'd love to go up to any of those spots and see some of those migrations. Yeah. I mean, they have, you know, massive breeding colonies up there, um, of lesser snow geese and, and graders when you head out East and things like that. But I um, mean, that would kind of be a pretty cool story because some of these guys have been up there for 25, 30 years right and research projects and um, on specific colonies. So you're maintaining that science as, as they go along with the research. It's pretty cool stuff. You know, let, let's go ahead and transition over to like the Filson gear. And I, I found it to be very interesting how you mentioned, and, and I noticed from, from a lot of the imagery that you guys have from these, people are not always wearing nothing but Filson in the images. Um, and, and you mentioned that. And, um, but how are, how are you going about like, you know, getting this Filson gear one into some of these hard to reach places or, you know, some of these people are doing some of these just wild things. Um, how does that whole process work for you? And then are, is there times where you're like, Hey man, you know, we have to do this hat or like you said, are you just saying, Hey, what would you wear? Yeah. That's the beauty of, of the, um, the journal and just kind of like the content in general. It's like, 
we we want to show the reality, and that's that also finds its way massively into the campaigns and and the kind of the more selling imagery. It's like we're totally fine if someone we're not going to try to put something in something that wouldn't wouldn't actually wear, and also put someone you know take something off someone like hey you can't wear that piece of gear because that's a competitive ours. It's like no, we'll scrub that later. You know, but it's also because this is real because that's what it's really fun dealing with a world where it's like we're trying to show as, as real of a situation as possible. And it's also, you know, so you're you're basically, you know, coming into their world. And, you know, these are we don't use any models. And that's what's really fun, too, is these are all real people. And some of them look really good. And that's I'm so sorry that that happened. But it's <laughs> but it's like it's like these are these are all experts or specialists in their field or know the worlds that they are project or they are um, conveying or 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 we're, we're shooting. Um, and it's really fun to just kind of say, great, what? You know, especially for the content side of things, we we talk to them beforehand if we're kind of getting the the shoot you know set up, and we say, hey, you know, take a look through our catalog, you know, take a look through online and, and find what gear you know makes sense for what you you do, and then we try to get it out to them as soon as possible. We try to get it, and oftentimes, sometimes it doesn't work out, but we'll try. In a perfect world, we can get like you know, if they demand tin cloth, like I was out with a range rider in in Washington, like you know, looking for wolves, like. You know, we, if they demand, they're like, I need tin cloth, like, because I'm in heavy brush half the time, you know? And, uh, and so we get that person tin cloth and, you know, whatever they need and whatever they kind of want. And then we want them to use it. We want them to mess it up. We want them to be, it to be as real as possible. And majority of the people we work with oftentimes bring out something, you know, some piece of Filson gear that, you know, their grandfather passed down to them or whatnot. I've got that, you know, my, I've got tin cloth and Mackinac's from my grandfather. And it's just like, it's really fun to, you know, people have stories that come along with this or, you know, you have got these, these, uh, these battle scars on these jackets of like, Oh, this is this one time I, this happened, you know, and it's all stitched up and, you know, we repaired it or something like that. And they've got a great story there. And so it's really fun just seeing the gear in the proper content context of where it should be and where it should exist. Um, and so, yeah, it's like each of these stories is we're trying to be as unique and as real as possible to what what we're portraying. Yeah, and and what it, what would be like one Filson gear item that you would take on almost every trip that you go on? Like your signature, you know, just for you personally. I know everybody kind of has their own thing, um, and Filson has so many cool products. But like, what what's one thing that you would take? Yeah, I know it's it's amazing too because like we're oftentimes we don't have like we're we're not the guys that have the stylists. We're not the guys that have like you know the the big production you know entourage it's more of like a you know it's just one person so it's like you're pretty much packing thinking about the fact that you'll be in a plane at some point and that plane's going to have a capacity you know a weight capacity so um it to be honest like my you know i i have i have gear kind of for every environment um and i will bring things that you know that uh you know, i've got footwear is pretty funny where it's like i've got snake boots for the south i've got you know i've got bunny boots for the high arctic these you know extreme cold vapor boots you know mickey boots and i've got you know extra tufts for the you know the wetlands and and the back, back of like um back of back decks of boats and but it's like my if i find my tin cloth i've got this 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 basically this baseball cap that is just beaten and worn and beautiful and it's just one of these things that I've lost them like 
time and time again. I go over the back deck of something or they get whipped off when I'm you know, going too fast. It's just like, well, they're gone. They're in the sea or they're, but I find them again and I will, uh, you know, or get a new one and they just patina with me and they just are like, have so many stories and so many amazing experiences under, you know, we've all got that, that, that hat, you know, we've all got that or that item that we, we love and everyone else like kind of grimaces at it because it's kind of nasty. It's like, that's my hat. It's this tin cloth hat that I, I've worn for many years. And had many different versions of it. Yeah, the memories just ride along with it too. That's cool. Exactly. So you know, I, I followed up on on a couple different things when when I knew you were coming on the show, and I looked at you had done a little kind of a Q and A on another website. Um, but they really got into you know some of the gear that you use, and I, I felt like it's a pretty good crossover. You know, you were on Alaskan fishing boats. You are you know going up north in cold weather. Um, you know that's kind of a duck hunting mentality. You you have to approach for cold and wet weather on a pretty regular basis. Um, you know what are some of the things that you would if someone says, hey, we're going you know duck hunting. It's going to be 25 degrees in the morning, 40 degrees in the afternoon, but pouring down rain all day. We're going to be in a boat. You know, how would you approach that? Yeah, well, I mean, big thing, and I'm sure everyone kind of says this, but like layering, layering is is um, is massive, and also just like you know, the wool element is huge. You know, we've got some pretty cool merino layers that I have a big fan of. Um, so it's like you know, the, the ability to to layer down or layer up in those situations. Um, that's pretty important so that 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 wool under layers are fantastic for that um but also um bomba socks i mean they're not one of our products but i swear by them and any alaskan fisherman or anyone who wears extra tufts will tell you that's the only way to go it's just tiny little i don't know if you're familiar are you familiar with bomba socks only because i read this piece up that you did (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's like it's you you I, i figured out figured them out like or figured out about them um my first season up in up in uh Dillingham or up in the Bay, Bristol Bay. And, and it was, you know, talk about a huge learning curve where you're just realizing all the stuff you need. Um, and bomba socks are one of these items that you just can't live without because when you're the back deck of a fishing boat for, you know, 20 hours a day, you're, and you're sitting in these rubber boots, it's like you get pretty, pretty much can get trench foot, you know, cause like you're, you know, you're, the moisture's coming off you and it's staying in, in there. Um, these bomb, these bomba socks are pretty much they wick the moisture away from your feet. Um, you can find them at most like hardware stores. They're not that expensive, really nondescript looking. These blue little socks, and they they're they almost like a little ankle. Sorry, what's that? It's almost like a little ankle sock. Yeah, these yeah. tiny little. They they definitely have some like you know they're they're they you know you'd probably want a, a boot like half size you know half size bigger to fit them in there. And I normally do that just thinking about the bomba socks. You get two pair of these things and you have one on, you know, at any given time and you swap them out, put them next to the fireplace because they wick the moisture away from your foot, keep it on the outside of the sock. And then when you pull it out, you can transition to the next one. But like, it's just a total game changer. And just having dry feet, no matter where you are, what you're in, you know, I'm imagining like the amount of rubber boots out there. It's like, or just waterproof boots in general, they still, you know, your feet still kind of come out wet after you've been, you know, in them all day. So bomba socks are a massive, massive thing I recommend. Um, and also uh, just wool under layers, you know, you look out for cotton, obviously, you know, as far as under layers, because, you know, it's that that's something that is going to wick that or it's going to keep that moisture on you and, um, and uh, keep 
the cold, which is the big problem there. But then again, if you have like cotton in the form of like a tin cloth, like, you know, well waxed tin cloth, that's also going to be a godsend as well there um, to keep the, the water off you. It's just, you know, it, my, my gear is constantly evolving and it's constantly changing with whatever biome I'm in or, or, uh, and it's really fun to learn from everyone in those spaces. I'm sure, you know, if I go duck hunting, someone will be like, you got to do this. And I'm like, yes, I do. This is amazing. This is the best thing ever now. So, yeah. And you mentioned that, that you're kind of, you're more of an upland hunter, not really gotten into the duck hunting. Um, yeah. but I, you know, I think this is a good opportunity. We could, we could probably, we could probably fix that. We have a, you know, <laughs> quite a bit of support out there, you know, in your neck of the woods. And there's a lot of really great duck hunting there. I don't want to ruin it for everyone and say, but, but, um, you know, Washington is, is got some, some really fantastic waterfowling. We've had people on here from, uh, the game and fish department out there, you know, doing, providing updates and habitat updates and things like that. And it is, it, I've never been out there hunting myself. Um, but it is, it's really, really great place to waterfowl hunt. So we may have to get that. If there's any audience members listening out there, you can shoot us an email du podcast at ducks.org and uh, maybe offer to uh give up a seat in the boat for will uh maybe just <laughs> let him let him cut his teeth on some, some ducks here It'd be pretty exciting yeah. yeah i love it absolutely love that um yeah it's one of those things where it's like it just hasn't crossed my path i mean i, I have plenty of friends that the duck hunt it's just one of those things where i'm you know it just hasn't linked up quite yet but i'd love to do it but absolutely love us like a lot of upland and, and started over in the uk actually um with pheasant over there and um found my way back here with it and just done a lot of, um, grouse and, and, uh, and pheasant and, um, quail and all sorts out here. It's like, I'm just the kind of person where it's like, yeah, people are saying, Hey, Will, do you want to join? I'm like hundred percent. Let's do it. Especially 100%. with people that have dogs, because I can't tell you how many times I've just been blindly stomping through the forest, you know, and that you're just not getting half of what you experience with dogs out there. Yeah. So it's, um, I find friends with dogs. It's like, it's like friends with boats, you know, they're the best friends to have. That's exactly right. <laughs> um, you know, b- before we get you out of here, I just have a couple more questions. One, it sounds like you've been to just so many amazing different places and, and shooting this awesome content. Um, what's one place that you're like, Oh, I definitely want to go there. I want to, I want to shoot something there. Oh man. I, I'm, I think I'm just like, you know, cause I've been, you know, there's, there's plenty of amazing places throughout all of this, um, this country and, and, uh, in, you know, North America in general, I just, there are some spots out in Russia, like the high or even Mongolia. Mm-hmm. I think Mongolia would probably be one of the spots that just, uh, kind of sticking with that, that on the, on the vein of, of just barren, beautiful, epic landscapes. I think that would be, and there, the amount of people out there doing amazing things that these, you know, these traditional, um, ways of, of subsistence and survival, um, it's just astounding. And I've got so much respect for those, those lifestyles. And I would absolutely just love to, to capture something like that. But, you know, it's amazing because you also stumble into different worlds where, you know, that, that, um, idea of what's next can totally change just by like, you know, a story at, you know, over a pint. It's, it's pretty wild. My last question for you, before we get you out of here, the, uh, you know, what, what you do is pretty awesome. It's exciting, you know, and, and it's something that a lot of, a lot of people out there would like to do. You know, what do you tell people like, yeah, man, I want to be a content producer for a brand, especially a brand like Filson. Um, you know, what would you tell a younger person who's maybe in college and like, Hey, that, that's what I want to do. I want to travel around and, and tell these fantastic stories um what would you tell them yeah just immerse yourself in, in the in experiences and the camera is an amazing tool in a sense where it's a bit of a key to so many different worlds um 
it, it allows you to to peel back you know a lot of these kind of subcultures and, and different you know and uh, different worlds that that are going on all the time around you um, and you're able to you know to come into these worlds capture it um, but also experience it fully don't just sit behind your lens um, but just throw yourself into it if there are opportunities to get involved and, and to tell stories or it can be something as simple as you know down the road from you someone doing something you find fascinating or interesting going and 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 capturing that and capturing their process and the way they're they're doing that um, but also, you know, creating those relationships and maintaining those relationships because that's a huge one. You don't want to just get in and get stuff and get out. It's like, no, you want to, it's amazing how filling it is to, to, to have this network and, and these people that you come to, you know, really respect and love that are not, not just contacts. They are, you know, your friends and family. Um, and they, and so just like maintain your, your contacts and, and really, but also just throw yourself into many experiences as possible and keep on telling stories and, but just like be vulnerable in the sense of like, it's okay not to know what you're doing because it's amazing how many people are, would be happy to show you, um, and happy to kind of hold your hand through an experience that maybe you're not, you know, an expert in, but you also realize that, you know, don't get in the way of things, but, but, um, but try your best to, to be as authentic and to be part of that as much as possible, whatever you're trying to capture. No, that's awesome, man. That's good advice. Everyone there can, you know, anyone who's interested in, in doing something like you do um, can really take that advice. And it's, yeah, I, I was just going to say like one big thing is just keep on doing it. You know, there's a lot of people that try and they try to tell the same stories over and over again. And, you know, as far as a content producer myself, like I'm oftentimes, you know, people pitch stories to me all the time and I pl- play a bit of air traffic controller with, you know, copy coming in and imagery coming in from other different creatives. And it's like, if you have something that you're trying to, you know, sell the story. It's like, make sure there's an angle, make sure there's something that has more meat on it. And, you know, and, and you certainly definitely all get to a certain point in which we're, we're um, telling more dynamic stories, but just try to tell stories that haven't been told before, you know, and that's a huge one. It's something that I'm always looking for when people kind of come to us with, you know, with a lead or, or a deck and, and say like, you know, what, what's the bite on this? What's the unique you know, special story that's not, hasn't been told a thousand times before. Cool. Sounds like, sounds like I started that process about 15 minutes ago by pitching you, you on did. A, <laughs> I'm, I'm hooked, man. Spring, I'm hooked. Where is spring it? <laughs> in the Arctic. Here we go. Yeah. Uh, right. No, that, that, that's really cool. And, uh, man, I really appreciate you coming on here today and, and sharing your thoughts on gear and, um, content production, which I think is such a hot topic right now and something that, that, you know, our audience, you know, even just waterfowlers in general, uh, that's the cool part about what I do is we kind of tell stories from a waterfowling perspective and, you know, conservation. And there's so many cool stories out there for us to tell that, uh, you know, that's what we have to do as well, trying to figure out what the unique aspect to it and things like that. So I think this is very eye-opening for me and our audience. Um, I really appreciate it. We may have to get you back on here sometime soon, uh, especially after we get you on that first duck hunt. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Beginners. Yeah, man. This has been great and I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Well, thank you so much for having me on. I'd like to thank my guest, Will Kutcher, the content producer for Filson. You can see some of his work at filson.com. Him joining us today was just fantastic. Really kind of gave us a glimpse of what he does and, and how Filson pulls these awesome stories together. I'd like to thank our producer, Chris Isaac, for doing a great job getting the podcast together and getting it out to you. And I'd like to thank you, the listener, for joining us on the DU Podcast and supporting wetlands conservation. Thank you for listening to this episode of the DU Podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. And visit www.ducks.org slash dupodcast for resources based on today's topics, as well as access to more episodes. Opinions expressed by guests do not necessarily reflect those of Ducks Unlimited. 
Until next time, stay tuned to the Ducks. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com.